Hello and welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of women in music. I am your host, Olivia Adams, and today we are continuing on with our music history series. We took a brief break last week, unexpected break, because I was out sick, and on the day that I normally record and edit the podcast, my voice was very minimal, so I just decided that we would postpone that episode, move it to a different week. Anyway, I hope you have been enjoying this series because I've really enjoyed working on it and doing some deep dives into the lives and music of some of my favorite composers. Now, today is a little bit different on the podcast as we are going to be talking about Canada Music Week, as well as the origins of this celebration of music that happens across the country. So for our Canadian listeners, I hope that you learn something new and a bit more about the origins of Canada Music Week. And for our non-Canadian listeners, you get to learn a bit more about Canada and our celebration of Canadian composers. And maybe you have a similar musical celebration that happens where you are living. And if you do, I would love to hear about it. I do want to acknowledge that the land and borders that we understand as Canada is stolen and unceded territory of the First Nations and Indigenous peoples of this land. I want to be very clear that when we're talking about Canada Music Week. This is a settler colonial event that traditionally is celebrated with Euro-Western music and instruments. And though I am a teacher of the piano, which is a Euro-Western instrument, I try to be really cognizant of the music that I have my students perform and that I perform as well. I want to be clear that I do this imperfectly, but I am continuing to learn about what it means to be a good ancestor in the words of Leila F. Saad and to what it looks like to decolonize my own practice. With that being said, I want to open this episode with a land acknowledgement. This particular one is adapted from the Canada Council for the Arts that resides here in Ottawa, and it was developed and written with members of the Algonquin community. We acknowledge that we live, work, and make music on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation, whose presence here reaches back to time immemorial. Recognizing the Algonquin as the customary keepers and defenders of the Ottawa River watershed and its tributaries, we honor their long history of welcoming many nations to this beautiful territory and uphold and uplift the voice and values of our host nation. We acknowledge the historical oppression of lands, cultures, and original peoples in what we now know as Canada and fervently believe the arts contribute to the healing and decolonizing journey we all share together. If you are putting on a Canada Music Week event this year, I strongly encourage you to open your recital or festival or whatever celebration you do with acknowledgement, acknowledging the territory that you are standing on, the traditional ancestors of the region where you live and celebrate understand whose land you're on and why that matters. If that all feels very foreign to you, then I would encourage you to simply learn and look up who the traditional ancestors of the land that you are on are and just sit and reflect on that for a moment. Canada Music Week was an initiative that started in 1960 as a way to honor and commemorate the Canadian Federation of Music Teachers Association, or CFMTA for short, their 25th anniversary. So for our non-Canadian listeners, that is our equivalent of the Music Teachers National Association in the U.S. Each province and territory has their own registered music teachers branch, and then they joined to create CFMTA, or the Canadian Federation of Music Teachers. Canada Music Week is always celebrated at 
in the third week of November, and most registered music teacher branches in Canada, either the local branches as well as the provincial branches, will celebrate Canada Music Week in some way. Everyone does it a little bit differently. Sometimes it's through non-competitive music festivals, which we'll talk about later. Sometimes it's through recitals or other celebratory music events. In my studio, we've participated in festivals, the provincial and the local recitals, and some years, like this year, we're doing our own studio event. The CFMTA president in 1957 was Violet Isfeld, and she proposed that for the 25th anniversary of the organization, they do a series of events to celebrate. And it was so successful that they did it again the next year, and then every year after that. And that is how we got the Canada Music Week celebrations that came to be. And like I said earlier, we're now in the 63rd year of Canada Music Week celebrations. So from the CFMTA website, these are the stated goals of Canada Music Week. They write, the aims of Canada Music Week are to bring to the attention of the public through various means the importance of Canadian music, to support composers and performers of Canadian music, to introduce contemporary music to young Canadians and stimulate a keener appreciation and understanding of this music, and to encourage music educators to widen their knowledge and experience of Canadian works. Canada Music Week is dedicated to music in its fullest sense, but since 1967, a particular focus has been on the Canadian cultural content. Thousands of Canadians experience Canada Music Week festivities each year in their communities." End quote. I have always loved the way that the CFMTA supports organizations for participating in Canada Music Week. They do a brilliant job of connecting students with Canadian composers. Throughout the years, they have awarded scholarships to students to participate in a festival. They've done virtual festivals. They've done master classes with composers. They do poster competitions where students can design a poster for Canada Music Week events, and they're awarded a scholarship or a gift card. There are recitals. There are bursaries that branches can apply to to host their own events. They have student composer competitions. One year they did a beautiful edition of a book of compositions by Canadian composers through a commissioning competition. They have done lots of different themes throughout the years and I love the flexibility within the events and that there are always multiple entry points for students and teachers to engage in. They also accept like a variety of music making and instruments. It does not need to be a classical musical instrument. It can be anything and any style of music by anyone who lives in Canada. And that is like, it's a very broad parameter. And I love that there are just so many entry points because sometimes like maybe your student is not ready to perform in a festival or recital, or they feel nervous but they love writing music and they want to submit a piece of written music. Or maybe you have a student that just started playing the piano, but they love to draw so they can submit something to the poster competition. And I also love that for years, even before COVID, there's been an online option for students because sometimes students feel intimidated performing in a live festival on a stage with a grand piano. So recording something from your studio or their home can be a really easy entry point for them to participate. It's like a stepping stone for their performances. So that is Canada Music Week through the lens of CFMTA. 
Now more on the festival side of things. So the Alliance for Canadian New Music Projects is an organization that is dedicated to the promotion of Canadian contemporary music. So every year since 1970, the ACNMP has piggybacked onto Canada Music Week and hosted what they call Contemporary Showcase Festivals. So the Contemporary Showcase Festivals are non-competitive music festivals of Canadian music that are often done in a masterclass style format and the only requirement is that the music is written by somebody who lives in Canada. Every year they host festivals across Canada and originally the goal was to have students play for a living composer and then receive feedback. Now I don't think that that is a requirement anymore for adjudicators and workshop leaders. Um, I say that from experience because I've had the privilege of adjudicating a bunch of them and I am not a composer. <laughs> but that was the original intent was that it was an opportunity for students to connect with composers. And for a lot of the Canada Music Week recitals, they've kept up with that original idea, like the one that my students are participating in this next week. They still have the goal of connecting students with composers, which is why they always have a Canadian composer adjudicating the festival. And I think that's really wonderful. It first started as an event that happened just in Toronto, where the ACNMP, the Alliance for Canadian New Music Project, originated, and then it grew out from there. The first organizers were teachers. It was Rachel Cavallo, Patricia Elliott, Ralph Elsaser, Terry Levis, and Keith McMillan. So through the Contemporary Showcase Festival, students could perform Canadian music, they could take classes with composers, and they could participate in master classes. After the first Contemporary Showcase, they partnered with the Canadian Music Centre, we'll talk about them a little bit later, and then in 1978, they officially formed as the ACNMP. In 1972 was when they started putting out graded syllabi for different instruments of Canadian music, and to this day, these are frequently updated. The ACNMP often sends out a call for compositions every year, specifically by early career or young composers, student composers, and they will do a student composition event where students can submit their compositions and receive feedback from a later career composer, which is really wonderful and helpful for encouraging more young composers to continue to make music. Another thing that really helps is the ACNMP's syllabus project. I love a syllabus. I have sat on several committees for syllabi. I have adjudicated compositions to be included in syllabi, and I even made a syllabus myself, which was my book, Loud and Clear. So the ACNMP every couple of years updates their syllabus, and it's done for 25 different instruments, including vocal, choral, and ensemble categories. It's super comprehensive. It's completely free online. And because they do it digitally every year, they often have links to the compositions themselves so it's easy to find the music and we love that. <laughs> In addition, the ACNMP supports the festivals with numerous scholarships, specifically for advanced musicians. There are categories to be nominated for the national awards and into the national competition, as well as scholarships that help to support their continued study of music. So that's the background of Canada Music Week and how it 
all came to be. It was one teacher's idea as part of a celebration, and it has turned into this decades-long project that is beloved by so many musicians. My students look forward to it every year, and they always get involved, whether it's through a festival or through the our local recital or through the provincial category or through the poster competition or through the compositions. So I love that there are just so many options to get involved in whichever way you choose. I feel so grateful that students have the opportunity every year to participate in workshops with composers and explore the vast musical landscape of Canada and also celebrate in a non-competitive way. Next, I want to point you to some places that you can look if you want to explore some more Canadian music. And then also I'll talk about what my students and I are doing to celebrate Canada Music Week this year. A perfect entry point, like I've already said before, is the ACNMP syllabi. I just love these specifically because they're updated so frequently to reflect all of the new music that's coming out. And they're graded and they're accessible for so many instruments at all different levels. And I think that is a real gift. The next one is the Canadian Music Centre. So the CMC has a large database of compositions and recordings of significant Canadian composers, both past and present, and also offers scores for rental, scores for purchase, in physical and digital copies. In addition, they have a whole recording sector, and it makes it easy to find recordings of pieces right on their website. You can search by region, you can search by time period, and you can search by composer. Next is the Association of Canadian Women Composers. You can find lots of their music linked through their profiles, and in addition, Stella Terhart has created some really sizable online syllabi that are just about to be released of the graded compositions of Canadian women composers that are part of that organization. There are five to six syllabi divided by instrument sector. So they have like a string sector, winds, brass, piano has its own, voice has its own. And they give descriptions of the piece. They give the difficulty level and also where to listen to them and where to find them. I'm on the proofing committee for this project and I'm very excited for it to be released. And when it is, I'm hoping to have Stella on the podcast so she can share more about the amazing resources. So that is something that you can look for. And I believe there is an older version of the syllabi on their website, but there is a new, improved, updated version that's coming out soon, so be on the lookout for that. Another great place to start is with some of our favorite publishing houses that we have already had on the podcast, and I say our favorite publishing houses because if I look back at the statistics from those episodes, you have really enjoyed the episodes with Deborah Wanless Music and with Red Leaf Piano Works. So we love the composers at Red Leaf Piano Works and Wanless Publishing. They are great places to go for creative, engaging, pedagogical works for your students. The good news is that both companies have their music available online and internationally through 80 Days Publishing. So you no longer have to pay for that international shipping if you're living somewhere else, not in Canada, um, but you can purchase through 80 days and it will get printed and bound locally and then it will get shipped to your doorstep. It's this amazing model and a lot of Redleaf and Wanless works are on that website. So I would encourage you to check out 80 Days Publishing and all of those links will be in the show notes below. P.S. You can also find my book loud and clear through 80 Days Publishing and all of the Canadian composers in that book are marked with an asterisk so that they're really easy to find. 
Of course, there are so many other great places to look for Canadian music, but these are just the first places that I look to for my own students and for myself. So I'm happy to share those resources with you. Lastly, I want to share what my students and I are doing to celebrate Canada Music Week. So over the last several years, we've done a variety of things from YouTube recitals to composition projects to festival participation. And this year we're doing a studio recital of all Canadian music. And for our reception, I've made treat bags of Canadian branded treats. So like those maple leaf cream cookies, chocolate bars, um, real fruit gummies for the students. And then I'll have takeaway bags of maple butter tarts, which is a Canadian favorite. When I'm doing a Canada Music Week recital, I'm really, really intentional about the compositions and composers that I use. I want to make sure that I have a variety of composers from across Canada. We have compositions from Indigenous composers, and we're always sure to learn about our composers, as we should do for every composer. We have music from immigrant composers. We have living and past composers. We have local composers. And most importantly, I don't tie my students down to compositions that are classical. Canadian music spans a wide variety of genres, and so I always make a point to emphasize that. I frame the events to my students as being a part of a celebration that happens across the country, and as well as a way to support the music and the work of our Canadian composers, so that we can continue to enjoy and have new music and celebrate and support the work that they're doing. I think that so often when we're teaching a Western classical instrument like the piano, we can fall into this trap of only teaching historical composers or the quote unquote greats. If you've been around the pod for any amount of time, you know that that is not what I'm about. I'm really, really intentional with my students that we play a variety of genres and composers and styles of music and teaching that there is no hierarchy. I love that during Canada Music Week, there are so many events to connect students with living composers from a variety of musical genres. And it's my hope this in turn encourages students to compose themselves and see that there are so many ways to be engaged in the world of music. Now, some things that I don't do at my Canada Music Week recital, and I really toyed with saying this on the podcast or not, but um, we don't have any flags present. We don't sing the national anthem. There is no patriotic requirement. There's no requirement like wearing the colors of the flag. We don't frame it as a patriotic event, but it's a musical celebration. This might be controversial, and I know that some teachers don't feel the same way that I do, and that's okay. But I want to consider my own personal beliefs of acknowledging that I am a settler in Canada, as well as acknowledging that most of my students were not born in Canada. I'm in Ottawa, and it's a melting pot of cultures from really all over the world because we are a capital city, we're a government town, and so a lot of my students might not feel any sort of strong connection to Canada as their country. And so I don't push any of that onto my students. And whether or not folks agree with me is not necessarily for me to say, but I think that there are a lot of ways that we can acknowledge our history of being a settler nation and pay respects to the first peoples of the land, as well as celebrate the amazing musicians and composers that call Canada home and take part in the celebrations that happen across the country. 
So if you're taking part in Canada Music Week event or you are hosting one, tag me, OA Music Studios. I would love to see how you are celebrating. As always, please like and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you feel so inclined, please give us a five-star rating and written review. I'm so thrilled to be in your ears every week and I hope that you learned something new. Links for everything mentioned are down below in the show notes. I'm wishing all my Canadian friends a celebratory Canada Music Week. I'm Olivia Adams. This is Loud and Clear, and you can find me at oamusicstudios.ca or oamusicstudios on socials. We will see you back here next week. Okay, so to close off this week's episode of Loud and Clear, I am going to play for you Hiding by Canadian composer Karen Sinebaka. Karen Sinebaka often finds inspiration from puzzles, stories, and her Métis and mixed European heritage. She has deep roots in the Red River Settlement, what is now known as Manitoba, Canada, and feels a strong connection to the Métis, Scottish, Swedish, and Finnish cultures. This mix of cultural connections sometimes creates conflicts and new perspectives, which she finds both interesting and challenging. Her music reflects this cultural mix through the exploration of the sounds and stories of the Canadian prairies. Here is my interpretation of her piece, Hiding. Happy Canada Music Week.